Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. We're at that time of the year right now on the eve of the first preseason game, at least it will be in about two hours as we're recording this. Very excited for that first game, get down to the the stadium to talk to me here about it is the guy we've been enjoying all these camp podcasts with, Kyle Barber. Kyle, how you doing buddy? Doing very well, Ken. So excited to uh, attend my first preseason game. Um, actually, as a media member too, so I'll be up in the press box. This is a first for me. Um, I got the uh, the green light actually earlier today, uh, talking with the PR guys. So uh, excited to be able to attend this thing in person and not through a computer screen or TV screen because uh, typically I was already back in Baltimore. Uh, excuse me, back in uh, Colorado by the time the first training camp game was would be underway. So now it's I'm here and and I get to experience this thing full tilt. Really excited. Very cool. You've been to several actual Ravens games during the regular season before, though? I have attended one Baltimore Ravens game in my life. Um, It was the Ravens and Miami Dolphins game on Thursday night football. 40 to nothing. Yes. Good game to go to. Yes, it was an excellent game. Uh, Watched the Kiko Alonso cheap shot on Joe Flacco, but I did see Jeremy Macklin catch it on that side of the end zone. I was on that side, and uh, I wasn't as much a media member as a full-blown fan, having a few uh, adult pops and hanging out with a friend. Uh, That was a fun game to attend, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, lots of fun. Let's go go back to this Saturday's game, though. I know all the fans want to hear about what's really important to us, uh, uh, or what's really important for the Ravens, and we'll start at the QB position, where I think the Ravens probably will not play Lamar Jackson. If he does play, it'll be for a series. Uh, and thereafter, I expect it to be McSorley and Huntley splitting duties the rest of the way. Yeah, completely agree there. Uh, I was talking with some other media members uh, trying to figure out if they're going to play Lamar there at all. Um, you got to consider who's going to be there for the offensive line. Yep. Uh, no Ronnie Stanley. 
unlikely to have Ben Cleveland, Kevin Zeitler. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva received both a vet day, but Harbaugh did make a little bit mention that he's like, oh, he's got, he's a little nicked up. Like, there's nothing serious, but it was literally it was a vet day, but it was also because he was like feeling a little off or something is what they kind of made it sounds like. That's four or five guys right there that you can consider as the starting line. Um, ben Cleveland and Powers are kind of jockeying for that left guard position, but. I don't think they'll have Jackson in. If they do, I think they're going to have him in for maybe three plays. They'll do a, you know, an option play with the run, and he's going to hand it off. The second one will be, you know, him rolling out of the pocket and maybe an RPO on a, on a third. But like that doesn't get you anything. No, like, there, there's no, like there's nothing that uh, is necessary for him to do. What 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 perks or or what experience does he gain from that? Nothing. So. We're not uh, see I him. bet you an adult beverage we don't see him. Other than on the <laughs> sideline, where we'll see him a lot. Uh, I, and I've never heard of an in-series replacement like that. Usually, it's you know you play the whole first series and then you do it. And we, we hope for a three and out if he actually starts the game. But uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a situation I don't see any any value in in putting him in there. And Huntley and McSorley, a couple good mobile backup quarterbacks. Hopefully, we'll we'll keep the Ravens out of trouble. Uh, on offense, which has been a lot of their keys to winning all the consecutive games that they have. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a good pair of quarterbacks that, that will get them through this game. And, you know, it'll go a, a distance to deciding which one is the backup quarterback. I think Huntley probably has the edge right now based on his years of experience. But how would you see it playing out? Right now, I, that's something that I made sure to pay attention to during uh, training camp today, and it was who is getting the second reps after Jackson walks off the field. And McSorley received all of the number two reps. He was the second guy after uh, Lamar Jackson exited from every single snap today. Uh, not sure if that has any true value there, whether they actually want McSorley or if they want Huntley in second, but he he was the one that was with the twos when the twos all jumped onto the field earlier today. Uh, they have been going back and forth on that. The first week, I think Huntley was taking more of the twos snaps. Um, he looked a little bit better, I thought, but in recent days, it hasn't been anything... Uh, that's been significant in who's who's winning that position and these preseason games are going to be a huge indicator of who is playing better we get to mm-hmm. see it live action you know it, it's live ammo uh people get a hit people get a tackle um the decision making has to be uh succinct or or you know mcsorley or huntley is going to get hit and and they weren't they weren't getting hit in training camp and the whistles were going by the referees it won't be the case here on saturday there will there will definitely be some shots live fire is what you look for at a lot of positions particularly on the offensive line uh the offensive line for the ravens in in deep trouble right now i mean obviously they have significant number of injuries it's their veteran starters it could be a problematunity for this first game <laughs> if you want to think of it that way because i think you're going to see some players are getting chances at multiple positions and some of the players who are on the margin uh, really fighting for roster spots. Now Tyree Phillips is not really fighting for a roster spot, but I think he'll see playing time at left guard and left tackle in this game. Patrick McCary, assuming he plays, uh, should pl- could play three positions in this game. He could play center guard and tackle uh, all in one football game very possibly. Ben Bredesen, I think Probably gets a series at center late in the second half. We'll see how that works out. He's taken a few snaps here this last week. 
Adrian Ely, uh, I think he gets an extended shot at tackle. And in a lot of ways, this is his audition for a lot of other teams uh, to see what he can do. But there's, there's no Villanueva, no Stanley, no Cleveland, no Zeitler. And that's a lot of players who need to fill the remainder of those snaps. This is exactly where you need to, as a fan, be watching this preseason game. We don't get to judge the offensive and defensive line that much during training camp practices because they can be physical when all the pads are on. Yes, Calais Campbell is shoving through blockers, and yes, Alejandro Villanueva is doing his best to protect Lamar Jackson on there. But there is a difference... Uh, whether it's subconscious or not, that these linebackers cannot go 100% when they're rushing off the edge. They know that they can't accidentally shove uh, you know, that left tackle into their team's starting quarterback. They can't do that because yeah. there's a little bit of restriction or restraint, be it subconscious or other or conscious efforts there. It's conscious. Yes. I mean, you know, but yes. Harbaugh says take care of yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. The term for it, you know, often you hear is brother-in-law play, but mm-hmm. you know, you just can't judge offensive line play. In fact, one of the major drills that they do um, for offensive line play, for tight ends, for others, is the pit drill, the block, mm-hmm. and it's to cut block. And you are not allowed to cut block in practice against your own players. But you go out in these live fire games, hey, everything's everything's going the way it's going to go, and and uh, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a real game. From that perspective, that's one of the first chances to, to really see some of that uh, there. Exactly. And so with that in mind, now Ken, myself, and everybody listening, everybody watching these games, this is your opportunity to watch the offensive line play. This is your opportunity to see who is being successful and how successful they are, or if they're not. This is where you get to gauge those things that we can't in camp. It's the same thing with defensive line play. We finally get to watch the trench work that mm-hmm. they practice reps on and they practice drills on be applied to a game. This is my favorite part of preseason. A lot of people think preseason is boring. It has a lot of exciting oh, features yeah. to it, and it's when we get to do what the the title of this podcast is, do a little film study. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what it's about. And, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see some good offensive line play. One of the big things about offensive line play in the preseason is uh, you're, there is a lot of relative talent disparity, particularly in the second half. So whatever you see that you think is good in the second half from the Ravens' offensive line has to be kind of discounted. What you see in the first half, if, if people have good series in one, two, or three, the first three series, that's, that's generally a pretty good thing. Uh, you want to see whoever you've got in there be able to beat the opponent's twos. Whether or not they can beat the opponent's threes is less important. Yeah, completely agree there. Um, going along with that, uh, I'm I'm curious to see how the uh, the set the defensive line. You know, we talked about offensive mm-hmm. line. Defensive line is equally the same thing. Um, Justin Matabike has been heralded all off season as a part of this dominant unit with. Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, and Derek Wolf. They've all preached their praises regarding this guy, and the coaching staff loves him, and they love the work ethic from him and him becoming more of a pro. Uh, I want to see this guy do some damage against other people's twos because uh, he needs to demonstrate it 
against uh, you know a, a different team because we've seen him play really well here in training camp. He mm-hmm. has been a guy that's been capable of getting after the quarterback, and that's a guy I'm going to be keying in on during the defensive series because this is the excitement of uh, of training camp. Watching this guy, whether he can swim, bull rush, whatever techniques he's going to be using, I want to watch and check that out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I, I honestly, however the ones play, nothing changes about the Monstars themselves between Wolf. Uh, Williams and Campbell and what they do. They're, they're, they're the number one guys. Uh, Matabike is the guy the Ravens are really depending on because uh, that line is very old and it'll all be gone in relatively short order. Wolf will probably be here for three more years, but Campbell and Williams are probably gone immediately. So they really need to need to get those young players. For me, the marginal guys, much more exciting there. Let's see how Aaron Crawford plays. Let's see if Broderick Washington actually still has a future in Baltimore uh, or if he's a practice squad player that they could maybe depend on at some point this season even. Uh, you know, Both those guys are guys that I would hope the Ravens could be able to retain uh, on the practice squad or possibly on the roster. And, and they're young guys, so it would be a big deal if they played well. Ravens did not have a draft pick on the defensive line this year. I'm going to move on to another position here. The outside linebacker position for me, very interesting because they're really lacking some guys. Uh, OA, Saturday was back today, as I understand. Same thing with Hayes, also back today. Um, I think we'll see, honestly, a lot of snaps for Ferguson and Adoye uh, tomorrow. I think those are the guys who uh, we probably see more than anybody and for most of the second half, I'd say, with very limited appearances from Houston, Bowser, and McPhee. Yeah, McPhee uh, exited practice a little bit uh, early today. Not sure what's going on with that. Um, I don't think it's anything serious. It's definitely assumed to be precautionary just because uh, they weren't even in pads today and he just exited mm-hmm. a little early. Um, I didn't get to see it, unfortunately. I was told he wasn't even limping. He was just walking off, uh, not dealing with it. So uh, we won't be seeing the vets. Definitely not Justin Houston, I don't expect. Uh, limited snaps, if anything, from Adafi Owe. Uh, so yes, Jalen Ferguson's the the guy to watch because he's the most intriguing prospect I think because he's not a starter he's been in the system a few years they brought in Justin Houston which wasn't an indictment on on Ferguson but it does show that they they don't see him as taking this leap in play uh, that we have already seen even from a veteran and older Justin Houston as a pass rusher exclusively. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Chris Smith. I like that you talked about the outside mm-hmm. linebackers because Chris Smith is a guy that I've seen get after it in camp, and, and uh, I have him doing pretty well. You know, He's been one of my positive players in my notes. Uh, yeah. I've seen him get after the quarterback, create some pressure, and, and, and win a few reps off the, off the edge. So that'll be an exciting player to watch as well. And, uh, I, but I'm curious to see how Jalen Ferguson does as well. Go ahead. Yeah, Fer- Ferguson, a, a, a big player here. Now, he's in, the reason these players are all pivotal and the reason these are the players you really need to watch are year three and year four players. Year four players, they're on the, they're on the bubble as soon as they step off for the buff, bus from camp, unless they've already been signed or unless they're a first-round draft pick, the fifth-year option's been picked up. But the reason of that is that they, there's a four-year four declining value option that comes with any new rookie contract. Those are cheap years, and the fewer cheap years you have remaining, the less a team is willing to invest in your potential. It's kind of the difference between kinetic and potential energy. You have to have shifted a lot of that value to kinetic value if you'll have by this point in your career. Ferguson is not there, obviously, in a lot of ways. So what he shows this camp and in these couple of games uh, is really critical for his future with the Ravens. I mean, he may, he might not make this team. If he doesn't make this team, he's certainly auditioning for another. Even 
if he could show a little bit as a run defender and hang on on the practice squad for the Ravens, which I think it's not impossible that that end, ends up being what happens to Jalen Ferguson. Um, he really needs to know show he can do something against live fire in this game because he won't really get another obvious chance anytime soon. Yeah, completely agree with you there. Uh, like you and I have been saying, he he is an intriguing prospect. He's on this unique cusp of being in the system a few years, but also declining value. I liked your physics lesson that you just gave us for <laughs> that. Uh, and and uh, overall, what can he deliver when when this is as great of a chance as he's ever going to get this first preseason game make a big statement you know he's going to be hungry for it so all the effort and energy is going to be there for him can he deliver is the question yeah absolutely and honestly uh if we see ferguson playing the entire second half as i think we might because the ravens are fairly deep at outside linebacker i think we'll see a lot of adoye as well in the second half but we we probably get a good sense like we did with a player like I'm trying to think of the lineman, Der- uh, Henry, not Derek Henry. Who's the other guy? Willie Henry. Willie a Henry. few years ago, that that you know, one of the things we noticed is, hey, he's in there at the end of the last preseason game. What the hell's wrong? Well, it's it's because that's where he's on the death chart. Shane Ray, whenever that was, a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was on the field at the end of the ball game or in the second half. Didn't even appear till the second half. That's a very bad sign. Order of entry, very important at all positions. Yeah, absolutely. I remember watching Willie Henry in there, and I was like, "There's no way he's that low on the depth chart. This guy's yeah. great. You know, he, you know, he's a big name in in Baltimore, in Baltimore specifically, and with like people we've watched him. But yeah, he uh, he was cut going down to the final fifty three. He was one of those surprise cuts that we always uh, end up seeing every single year, whether it's on the Ravens or you know elsewhere. But that was a unique instance. So if Ferguson's still out there with the threes uh, and even some of the quote-unquote fours that are on this roster, <laughs> that'll be that'll be uh, a big indicator of just where they see him. Or if he's not there, look for who is there at the end mm-hmm. of these games to see where they are in the pecking order. Another position now, you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. Cornerback. Cornerback, you know, the Ravens love their DBs. They love the way that cornerback operates. And uh, with with Jimmy Smith out, um, they're probably not going to play a whole lot of Marcus Peters. Uh, Marlon Humphrey got a vet day. I assume he might be mm-hmm. in for a series or two just because they want to see what their full starting defense is when they have him. But, uh, of course, I'm looking forward to Chris Westry. We've talked about him all training camp. That's a guy that I want to pay attention to a whole lot but watch the the pecking order with Anthony Averett Sean Wade um, and, and and the guys before and after him Anthony Averett is talked about as this starting cornerback that as the unfortunate uh, uh, blessing of them of him being behind two all pro cornerbacks yeah. in Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey it, is he good enough to start on another rosters I think so I think a lot of people would agree with it but I want to see just how talented he is during this uh, this preseason game of course I want to pay attention to that defensive line and offensive line like I've said but I've been a big uh, Anthony Avert fan since he was drafted and I'm curious to see how uh, how he performs here on Saturday yeah, go, going back to Averitt for a second, I mean, I think he had the best individual day of any player on 
Tuesday when he had five passes defensed, or sorry, four passes defensed, I think it was. Uh, but I still think that was the best day that any individual defender has had the entire camp. Justin Matabike had a big day as well once too, but uh, Averett was just terrific. And I, it, I do feel like he could start for a lot of other teams. He's a guy I really would have liked for the Ravens to have signed uh, to a multi-year extension given their age at cornerback. I mean, Jimmy Smith is be here for this year and every year seems to be the last year for Jimmy Smith in terms of how we predict it. Uh, Marcus Peters is another guy who's very expensive next year if they want to try and keep him. So, you know, with defense needed to shift into Lamar's, sorry, cap dollars needed to shift into Lamar's contract, a good chance that Marcus Peters isn't here next year. So I think this real opportunity for young cornerbacks, and this would have been a great time to sign Averett, and I still wouldn't rule it out. Uh, so this is the kind of thing that, that you know, a, a big game here, it might even get done before the season starts or at midseason at the latest. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about him. You mentioned other guys there. Uh, Sean Wade uh, at slot corner, you guys are going to love him. He'll play probably the entire second half. Long arms, gets right into the body. If he, I'll be very excited to see him get a couple of passes defense tomorrow. Chris, Chris Westry on the outside will play tremendous length at corner at 6'4", long arms. Uh, the other guy we didn't mention so far, Ardarius Washington. Very excited to see him play, whether it's slot or at safety, but probably at slot. Um, he should see some time, and we'll see what he can do in, in all facets of the game. Yeah, like I said, Westry's been one of the top names of training camp, as is Ardarius Washington. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty good day today as well, had, I believe, two passes defense from what I watched. Um, today wasn't all that exciting of a practice. Just going to sum this up real quickly, just because they were uh, they were in shorts. They weren't mm-hmm. even in shells. They were just running around. They had most of their wide receivers out, and, uh, and, and so much O-line uh, depth was absent there from the injuries that uh, didn't feel like a full-blown practice as much. So, uh, But Ardarius Washington had a couple of passes defense. Not a lot of those in, in uh, practice today because a lot of it was one-on-one drills mm-hmm. and uh, sevens that was, that was really focused. It looked like on zone stuff that uh, it looked like they were calling pass plays that were intentionally able to beat the specific zones that they were calling for. And mm-hmm. so they're trying to see if, if the... Uh, the, the players would be able to read through where the soft spots were. It was kind of interesting to watch uh, today. But Ardarius Washington, I believe, had two passes defensed. And uh, he's a guy that, you know, there's a real opportunity for the backup safety roles and the dime roles. And uh, because after uh, Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark, you know, there's a big gap available for whoever is ready to steal it. To, to me, that that's the biggest position the Ravens really need to identify who they have, and, and, and that's a dime. Uh, which safeties can be trusted to be on the field? And we've seen some good things from uh, Richards in recent days. We've certainly seen an interception and some other decent play from Levine. Uh, Levine seemed to be playing more or less with the twos at safety on the back end, which is not where the Ravens will put him ever during the regular season. So if he's in there, he'll play dime or he'll play big nickel. Um, but but they, they have... I think three guys that they're really looking to to see what can they still do at safety. The first is Brandon Stevens, who's the free safety of the future, we hope. The second, Geno Stone, who is back here, 
probably ends up on the practice squad as I read it, but he's really close to the bubble here. If he has a big preseason, maybe he's in. And the third is Levine himself. And I think it's going to be key to see whether he can return to the field and really do something in those short area zones where he was so effective in 2018. Uh, you know, it's such a darn good player. I'd, I'd love to see him get back to that, but it has been now three years. And they just have not been very comfortable with a variety of injuries primarily in getting him on the field the last two. Yeah, with Levine, he talked a little bit about his health and how he's feeling up at the podium a couple days ago. He had a vet day on that. And when he came up there, he said, you know, he feels a lot better than he has in recent years. And a lot of that can just be player talk, of course. Everybody feels like they're in the best shape of their life. You know, Tom Brady isn't wearing a knee sleeve for the first time in 14 years. Stuff like that. But Anthony Levine looks really focused and in shape, and uh, he's a guy that's always uh, pretty locked in. But if he's saying that he feels more comfortable and, and healthier and stronger, you know, I try to believe that guy just because he's a, he's a really honest player and he, he assesses things pretty fairly, and I think he's not too biased even when it comes to himself. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but maybe I'm super wrong, and, and he's, yeah. you know, and he cares like about his play, and he, he doesn't want to be looked at as, as a, a guy of the past. So, you know, maybe that's it. But overall, um, hopefully he can get back to that dime roll because watching his play, and, and I believe it was 2018, right? 2018. Was, uh, yes, was was exquisite. His his play against the uh, the Browns at the end of those series, I believe it was, what, week 17? Yeah. Or 60? Yeah, he was spectacular in, in breaking up a couple passes uh, that were, were critical. Um, but... Dime, dime is important in this in this league, especially nowadays with the the speed of the NFL. So I want to see yeah. stuff out of Brandon Stevens and uh, whoever's there to compete. Yeah, one, the thing that Anthony Levine gives you, and I think this is also true, by the way, potentially of Stevens or Stone. Although either of those guys probably plays on the back end in dime. But it's definitely true of Chuck Clark or Levine, who could be up front in dime, playing essentially that weak side linebacker role, is that they both understand route concepts off the line of scrimmage. And not only do they give you the good ability to play zone short where it's their responsibility, they also know what's going on behind them, and they can get in a passing lane, read the quarterback better. Safeties almost always do it better than linebackers. Those guys really do it better than other safeties. And I, I'm, I, I would love for Levine to be healthy enough that he can at least be the backup in that role, if not the guy they look to first, uh, just because he's got so much experience there. And I think, uh, you know, honestly, the speed, while important, is secondary to the understanding of what's going on in the space between level two and level three. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what, uh, what Levine can provide there. And I think it's actually a very big game for him. I mean, it's not in terms of his ending position on the roster. We've, we've joked a few times that he might be cut because they'll try and fit another guy on the roster and they'll have a wink wink deal to get him back within a few days. But uh but it's 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 an important game to him to show that hey, he's still got the um speed and the lateral movement. He's not bothered by the groin anymore to to be able to play that dime roll. Yeah, you make a, you make a lot of great points there, Ken. Completely agree with you. Um especially with the the Rashad Bateman stuff, they don't want to shut him down for a full season and throw him on IR. So that's another instance of of yes. the the cut deal discussions that we've been we've been talking about with Levine specifically or somebody by like Jordan Richards, you know, two vets that want to be in and on the play. But um I really like that analysis on on their smarter and, and knowing route concepts that they're competing against, but also they know what's going on behind them. That's a really good point that I hadn't considered. Nicely done. Uh, how about tight end depth? 
in this game. Oh, you, I'm sorry, you had you picked the next position here. Oh, I was actually going to go tight end. So that's, <laughs> well, let's do tight so end. That's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> uh, tight end is an intriguing position. There's a there's you know tight end. The third tight end spot is still very much up for grabs. I don't think Josh Oliver has taken uh, taken that spot and ran away with it. Yes, he looks pretty good in some spots, but uh, when I've seen catches from even Tomlinson, who's a huge figure, mm-hmm. and these other big guys, you know, I, I, it's, I'm I'm not going, oh my gosh, like that guy finally made a play. Like They're all consistently doing things down the field. Mark Andrews got it locked up, of course. Nick Boyle, he's once he come, returns, he's absolutely solid in, in his blocking and in his pass game. I think that's a little underrated for Nick Boyle, honestly. But I'm curious to see where we uh, what we get from these tight ends. We'll see who's going to go out there with the starters and such. And uh, overall, you know, I, I I like this unit. Tony Poljan is a big guy as well. Um, he's made some great plays in camp. I think him yeah. of the other ones might look a little bit better than even Josh Oliver uh, from what I've yeah. watched. And he's a rookie he's got a cheap deal and uh i think right now with uh josh oliver it's a conditional pick they'd have to give up so i know it's like a sixth or a seventh so it's not a whole lot of value but you know the ravens sure love those draft picks and the value of rookies right now is going to be critical when your your quarterback is on the cusp of a 40 million dollar a year deal any depth is important at this point yeah good point so oliver's still in the declining option period that we've that we've talked about in terms of having cheap years remaining and I forget if he's in year three or year two, actually, but uh, he's a he's certainly a player. Year three. Okay. Thank you. Um, I, I'd say it's even a little deeper than that because I think there's other guys playing for a roster spot, effectively a tight end, or we can put tight end and fullback together because Mason is in that group. Uh, Oliver, we mentioned. I, I, you know, Eli Wolf has had a pretty big camp in a lot of ways, and he's bodied up a lot of balls. I really like that when tight ends, bigger frames can – body up on the ball, meaning they, they kind of box out like a like a basketball player getting a rebound to, to get a ball. Uh, Poljan has the biggest body in the league, probably a tight end, and he uh, he's able to do it, um, but I don't think he's really as effective as what I've seen from Wolf this year in terms of being able to body up. They lost, uh, finally had to let loose Jacob Breland during camp, I guess last week or maybe earlier this week, uh, after a, a long inability to get on the field due to injury, and they finally had to give up on him, but Wolf remains... Uh, and he's still a on his first uh, year, mm-hmm. so uh, he's still got you know a four-year declining option there still left on him. So uh, it's it's an exciting group, and that second half. Go ahead. Yeah, no, with the with the group. Um, Eric Tomlinson and Tony Poljan are enormous figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about how big those guys are. Poljan is 6'7", 250 pounds. Eric Tomlinson is 6'6", 260 pounds. So these are massive individuals on here. And uh, to, it doesn't help that Tomlinson has like a full mountain man beard and like very long hair. That makes him look even bigger. But you talk about the size and the, and the boxing out ability. Both of them have been really effective with that in camp. When you see either of those guys turn Turn around. Um, you can see their numbers square on their chest because they're they've fully rotated around to face the ball and completely box out their opponent. They have their arms up ready for the catch. That's why it's been so easy to to notice when those guys are making plays is because they're facing that sideline, waiting for the pass to come in, and they've kind of sealed off 
whoever is covering them, be it uh, a linebacker or corner. You know, I've seen Tavon Young try to go up against uh, Paul Jean, and, and there's a massive size difference yeah. when it comes to those two. So, yeah, enormous figures. I've liked what I've seen out of both of them. Um, at times, I think I'm more impressed with either of them over Oliver. This is going to be a really big competition. I want to. That's a really great spot to uh, to watch for this first preseason game. In, in the second half, and in part, this is a function of the lack of wide receivers, and I want to talk about that a little bit, who might get some playing time, but I think we're going to see a lot of 12 and 22 personnel. I don't think the Ravens are going to feel like they need to put 11 personnel on the field because I don't think they have the depth at receiver to do it. Um, and I, on the other hand, I also don't think they're going to see a lot, show a lot of 13 because that's kind of the Ravens' secret sauce to their offense, and they don't want to really show everybody what they're going to do with three tight ends. So I think it's more a, 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 a case of playing with 12 and 22, splitting one guy wide effectively as a receiver, and and showing you know showing off some receiving skills from those tight ends. But it'll be fun. And, uh, and definitely those, uh, those tight ends are going to get some significant snaps in this first game with the absence of wide receivers. Both snaps and targets because yes. we, you, you and I, I think we'll get to that probably next here. But uh, the absence of wide receivers is definitely a proponent as to how much these tight ends are being targeted. When we saw Watkins get a vet day earlier this week along with Hollywood Brown, Dion Kane, Rashad Bateman, Miles Boykin all out, who did you know Mark? Who did Lamar Jackson want to throw to? His favorite target, regardless of those guys being on or off the field, is Mark Andrews. So Andrews was getting thrown at by everything, and when he was off the field, it was uh, Tomlinson that caught back-to-back balls, which ended up in a red zone touchdown on a two-minute drill, driving down the offense. So uh, we're only going to see more targets out of those guys, and they're going to have prime opportunities here to win that tight end three spot. And moving on to wide receiver, you and I were already going to be talking about this um the the depth is even smaller today they brought in siasi mariner i believe i'm pronouncing that first name right if i'm not i apologize but uh mariner also exited practice early today and he was brought in as a body and he's not he, he didn't even be able to finish up practice not sure what's going on with him hopefully it's just a little you know precautionary stuff because they're so nervous with these guys getting injured because they need him for those preseason games so we'll find out what that is but the guys that are able to play on Sunday will be Sammy Watkins, but I don't think we see him for more than a series if they have mm-hmm. him out there. Tylen Wallace, Benjamin Victor, James Prochet, who everybody is loving, and including myself, honestly. Uh, Jalen Moore, Devin Gray, Devin Duvernay. I think we'll see extended Devin Duvernay. Yeah. Um, and then Michael Darius, uh, Deion Kane was still out, wasn't there at practice. Marquise Brown is still absent. Miles Boykin still absent. Rashad Bateman, of course. Uh, the bad news came out today. He is getting groin surgery. Uh, the expected date of return is in September sometime, so probably late September is when he'll be returning. Um, a quick note before we get back to wide receivers, I wanted to come back to this. You talked about the 13 personnel and it being the secret sauce. I like that figure a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, not only it being that, but they play some big, heavy competition to begin the season. The Las Vegas Raiders look pretty good. And more importantly, they play the Kansas City Chiefs week two. And if they're going to want to keep up with the offense there, they don't want to show any of the exciting or sneak attack stuff that they have going or what, what or, or these unique concepts that aren't usually trotted out on the field by other squads. So that'll definitely be something that they're going to withhold on uh, for this preseason. We'll see that on both sides of the ball, I'm sure, and I want to talk about that, go back to the defense later. But let's go back to wide receiver for a second because James Prochet is a guy 
I want to be high on, and he's done a lot of things to grab balls in traffic that I like. But the problem with grabbing balls in traffic when you're playing your own guys is they're not allowed to hit you in the ways they would normally hit you. Um, and <laughs> so if, if you're Marlon Humphrey, you can't use your whole game against against receivers like this. So Prochet is going to get an opportunity under live fire, and he needs to show the same kind of of ability to catch contested balls that he has during this during this preseason. A lot of his, you know, the, the the catches he's made, and not to put down what he's done because he's been remarkable in terms of being a target for all three quarterbacks, is has been in getting behind a defender by a half a step, having the ball lobbed over in a in a kind of a throw the ball in the bucket drill manner, and him run under the ball when the defender's not really allowed to beat the crap out of him to make sure he doesn't catch the ball. So it's we're going to see what James Prochet is all about in this game, and hopefully it's a big night for him. The other guy I really want to see, and he's looked great in contested catch drills, is Tylen Wallace. Um, I want to see him do more with deception to get open. I want to see that out of every receiver, but I really want to see it out of Tylen Wallace because I already believe he can catch contested balls well. Um, I, I don't believe or I don't know if he can do all the things at the NFL level necessary to get open. Yeah, and that's a big thing that uh, needs to translate better from college to NFL wide receivers or caliber, you know, the caliber of receiver is just because you can catch contested balls in college isn't mm-hmm. necessarily the most translatable skill. If you're a good route runner in college, you can continue to yeah. progress in that field to win routes, to win against NFL talent and, and competition. Uh, go like that's a that's somebody that uh, you know we don't see a lot of career winners. Uh, or longevity in that position because you need to be able to get open. And, and Tylen Wallace, can he get open against NFL competition or is he going to try and just win everything through a 50-50 ball because the athletic ability of NFL cornerbacks is on par with the most uh, talent and skill in the NFL due to speed, size, and agility. So him going up against these guys is not going to be nearly as easy. He's done well in camp. He's made a lot of great catches, some big time ones too. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we're not trying to uh, you know decrease these these guys' uh, success, but we we want to shoot straight here. And uh, can he do it? by not just competing and going up and high-pointing the ball. Can he break on a route faster? Can he go from stop to start faster? And those are the drills that you and I have watched every day with Keith Williams. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know, Keith Williams is a guy who can fix him at the top of the route and basically get him to do cuts that he didn't do in college. Tylen Wallace notoriously ran only the right sideline in college. So he basically had a go route and a, and a curl route. <laughs> and that's about it in terms of what he could do. Never, never really crossed the middle of the field, and the Ravens need him to do more of that. Um, I... I I, you know, I really, he's the, he's the guy probably of the receivers. And if you had to look at the Rashad Bateman injury and which player is likely to benefit from that, it's one of two of Prochet or Wallace. And Bateman being an ex-receiver, you know, I, I think there's a chance that Wallace is the guy who benefits most. In fact, I think if you had to bet right now, I'd bet for Tylen Wallace to have more receiving yards this year than Rashad Bateman as of right now. We may not see we may not see Bateman until November first, but but you know I, I I believe Wallace will get enough snaps during that time and then potentially build enough of a connection with Jackson, uh, you know to chalk up three to four hundred receiving yards this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, groin injuries are really tough to uh, get back to a hundred percent on, especially with 
you know, any NFL position. I could say, like, especially wide receiver, but, like, offensive lineman dealing with a groin injury, defensive lineman, any position, groin injuries, everything hurts. Every movement is impacted through where you are running, walking, laughing, sitting down. You know, you're going to feel that. Um, I wanted to touch on uh, a little bit more uh, with a with a spe- with a more specific point on this. Um, contested catches, guys that are great at that, uh, don't typically last too long in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That were good at college. Jaleel Scott was one of those guys. The Ravens <laughs> drafted him, and he was a huge wide receiver. People loved him. He was making great contested catches at, I believe, New Mexico State, and mm-hmm. he w- he didn't translate into the NFL because. You want to be able to get open in college. Getting open is more important than going up against a cornerback in a 50-50 situation. You want your receiver to straight up win through deception and through agility and stuff. Well, that's the problem with 50-50 balls is they're about 50% to be caught. In fact, they're they're probably actually a little bit lower than that. But in the NFL, a 50% reception rate is not acceptable, not really at any position. And and even on a, a, a receiver who almost runs exclusively go routes, it's really not acceptable to catch 50% of the, the passes. You just There's not enough value in doing different things um, uh, to make that useful. So if you're, if you're talking Antonio Brown, it's probably, he's probably around 70 72% in some of his good years. But even, even if you're talking about uh, other good receivers in the league, they're in the low 60s. And you, know, you, you just cannot have a bunch of contested catches uh, dragging down your rate. Especially when, you know, all he was known for in college is about two routes, that go and that curl route. Yeah, that's um, it. If he's going to be able to break through, like, it, you need to be career defier, like, you need to be game-altering speed if all you are doing at the NFL level is mm-hmm. running go routes and curl routes almost exclusively. And Tylen Wallace is a fast player, but he's not game-breaking like some of the other guys that are on the roster already. Marquise Brown is dynamically yeah. fast, and, and Tylen Wallace is just not on that pace. You know, we're on Marquise Brown, and we saw him at practice for one day. But I'll tell you, the one thing I saw from him is exactly what I want from Odafe Owe. Okay, different positions, but I'll tell you what, Mar- Marquise Brown made opponents make mistakes and knew how to punish with him. All he has to do is make that first move. His opponent will react to it. When he counters, it's over and he's open by 10 yards. And that's what Adafi Owe needs to figure out, is how to just make the first move, make first contact, take that first step, do whatever you do. You're way too fast for that guy. The, the other guy aside, you know, across from you is a much lesser athlete. Go ahead and take advantage of that fact by showing him anything and then doing something else. And Marquise Brown seems to have figured out in year four now, but very exciting from one day of practice you know that we saw that and i i'm really looking forward to him getting back on the field with jackson yeah honestly i think i think marquise brown is is similar in in the way that he is physically like like bo jackson was so fast mm-hmm. so strong too strong for his own body to handle it it mm-hmm. looked like that's why his legs just didn't there was no longevity there he was just uh explosive with a hundred percent if not even higher and he just his body couldn't keep up with just how great it was it feels like marquise brown is too darn fast for his own body because we watched that singular day of practice and my word his explosiveness it's too fast it's too it's too much it looks like for his own thing to to carry it's like it's like if you were only driving a ferrari 
at 200 miles an hour and wondering why the tread on the tires was going off <laughs> That's good. after 50 miles because you're only going at top speed. Why Why is the tread not lasting long? It's because you're ripping through it and you're driving the tires bare because you're only going 200 miles an hour. That's what Chris Brown looks like. He's so brilliantly fast. It's exciting to watch and uh, it's frustrating that you don't get to see it more frequently but if he can stay on the field throughout any season or any long stretch of games, he is... It, like you said, he seems to have figured it out from what we watched in camp today. It wasn't him just being fast and just being, you know, he was utilizing his skills effectively to uh, force his opponent to make a read and to try and catch up or or uh, hedge their bets on one thing occurring. Mm-hmm. And when they made that decision, he actively forced them into those kind of reads and just punished them with two easy yeah. walk-in touchdowns because nobody's within with five ten yards of him it was so dynamic yeah. the, the guy who's, who does this of course at a different level is Lamar Jackson in terms of being able to read opponent leverage and and make the guy make the wrong move or or to read late and and pull from the mesh late after the after the wrong decision is made we don't need to go to go, go to any more examples on that I, I think one of the things I'm really looking for to, uh, on Saturday night is a uh, a defensive game plan that shows off some of the blitz capability of the Ravens, but not all of it. And that's where the Ravens have completely dominated with second-half defensive depth. That's basically been the entire story to the 17-game win streak. It's not Harbaugh. It's not you know some others. It's the defensive coordinators just lay it on in the second half. They have better players. They have better scheme. They're willing to probably show a little bit more of it. And they come after guys. And, and uh, backup quarterbacks who are in there in the second half of these preseason games cannot hold up to it. They certainly don't look like they have fun in the third and fourth quarter. They being uh, opposing offenses and quarterbacks specifically. Because Don Martindale sure loves sending a corner or a slot corner blitz on an unsuspecting quarterback looking the wrong way at the wrong time. We've seen time and time again those guys just get violently hit because uh, these players are so darn excited to finally be able to lower the pads on a quarterback because they've landed quote-unquote pressures on Huntley, McSorley, and even Lamar Jackson, but now they get a they get to lay the boom, and it's and they certainly get to use that with every uh, stretch of the imagination. There, um, definitely go for. It. I, I I one more thing I want to say. You're going to see a lot of people on Twitter, and you can tell the good gambling sites and good gambling prognosticators from the bad one. See if anyone says I really you know like the Saints over the Ravens in Baltimore tonight because blah 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 blah, blah and they'll talk about the starters maybe. Those guys are idiots. Okay, that's that's not what <laughs> preseason betting is about. I just in the simplest terms, they're freaking idiots. They, the the Ravens have won 17 straight preseason games. There is an absolute technical advantage they have game after game, and if you look at it, it's all in the second half. It's basically all in the second half that comes, and it's basically their twos and threes are head and shoulders above everybody else's twos and threes and that not only that they're backed up by great scheme and if if when you see one of these guys say i really like the saints 
ask him why. You know, t- tell me which players do you think are, are, are going to do it for the Saints this game? And, and you know, they'll hem and they'll haw and they'll back out because they're trying to sell picks or whatever. It's just, I, it annoys me all the time when I see it. But, but if, when, when someone's up there, I'll probably end up being an ass on Twitter and ask him about this directly tomorrow <laughs> because I, I can't resist. Yeah, yeah I feel uh, I had to like put like $10 on FanDuel so I could get like a PFF account like six months ago or something like that. I think this is the game where I'm going to bet on the Ravens because I have it was ten bucks that I have no plans to use on anything, so might be able to use that and and you know get a little money out of betting on a on a preseason game. I never gamble either, but this could be the game that I consider doing it on now. <laughs> but getting back to a little bit of the football stuff, uh, one more aspect that I really have labeled on my sheet is special teams. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to see who is playing on kickoff coverage or uh, kick return coverage because those are big indicators for later on in the depth roles where these guys are in the pecking order of making the roster or not. Are they with the ones in, in uh, going and in, in being a gunner or, uh, or being a defender on that? Are they catching the kicks? Who is catching the kicks You know, all throughout that? And how are they making themselves more versatile to land on the Ravens' final 53? Yeah, they're they're honestly they're very limited spots for true special teams players, and with Levine and Richards taking up two of those, it becomes even more difficult for for a, a true special teams only. So the point I'd like to make is those guys need to play defense usually and play special teams, or play tight end and special teams, fullback and special teams. But they need to do two things, not just one. And very very important that uh, you know the guys who are good special teams players are picked from among. Uh, specialized defensive platoon players, guys like Fort and Levine and Dimebacks, who you know have a role there to play, and as well can come in and play special teams. So it's not just enough to play special teams. Don't let anybody tell you, by the way, there's any any guy who's just there for special teams, not named Levine or Richards. Yeah, with with the Ravens, no doubt about it. Those are those are the two guys that are there primarily for special teams. I, I definitely agree with that. I wasn't trying to say that uh, it was only if they're there for special teams, but I, and I know that's not what you're emphasizing there. It's just who as on who like if you see Westry yes. uh, already in a you know running with the twos and he's on the ones kickoff coverage, you're definitely going to realize that you know he's higher on the pecking order or if he's running with the twos on special teams and with uh, with defense, you know that that still indicates that they value him in both roles and that's a that's such a degree higher of any player not just Westry in this instance, but any guy that's on the twos in both t- in both units, in both phases of the game, they have a higher projection to make the roster or make a different team's roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's what they're able to show out there. They have the tape and the film for it. So uh, maybe maybe write that stuff down, you know? Th- these are the things that, uh, that I write down that Ken works on, and this is how you're able to follow the game and be just a little bit more active and, and follow along a little. It's a little bit more fun that way. Pleasure as always doing the doing this with you, Kyle. Uh, always fun. I hope we'll get back to some more camp notes in the next week and so. Uh, great stuff here, and, and just looking forward to football again. Looking forward to being out there. I know it's probably going to be a miserable hot night, but uh, it's always fun to have a football game going on. Absolutely. So very excited to be able to watch some Baltimore Ravens football again. Watch this defense get after it. It's going to be very entertaining. Tell folks where they can find your work normally. Absolutely. So I am on Twitter at Kyle P. Barber. I write the Monday and Wednesday editions of Baltimore Ravens Late for Work 
on BaltimoreRavens.com. And I'm also the managing editor of Baltimore Beatdown. You can read all of our content on BaltimoreBeatdown.com. All right. Outstanding, Kyle. Great stuff there. And, and please give his uh, material a look. And, and by the way, for film study, we'll have articles coming out again on Sunday and Monday. The big deal here is players get rated on the margin of the roster between a plus three and a minus three uh, based on my, my uh, you know, what I observed from that game and what I think their chance is, how, how much it's changed to make the roster based on where they are. So uh, that ought to be a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to doing more writing again. It's been a long season of, of primarily podcasting, but it's been great fun doing that. Uh, a lot of it with you, Kyle. Yeah, this podcasting has been a, a real treat. I love doing audio form stuff, so I've been having a blast here with you, Ken, and, and that's why every single day when we're walking and trotting out into camp, it's and you're turning about to say, "Hey, you you interested in doing notes?" And I'm already going, "Yes, I'm I'm already on it," because uh, I enjoy being able to inform the fans and in, and uh, interact with your with your listeners. Uh, I'm excited to get to to read your material too, getting back into the writing and stuff. It's something that I do enjoy reading as well. Appreciate that, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.